Good morning. Good morning. Great. Morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us uh, with the Clara uh, Practice with Clara Morning Gathering. We're here talking about beauty. It's our last day on this theme. And Clara's going to start our uh, session this morning with some uh, pranayam, some breath work. So go ahead, everybody. Thanks, Steph. So go ahead, everybody. If you can, close your beautiful eyes. Let's just take a moment together. a couple of deep breaths and allowing ourselves to arrive in this moment. And so I thought we would uh, start this morning with a meditation to Lakshmi, to the goddess of beauty, who is uh, the patron saint of this week for us. And so I'd love you to envision a flower of any kind at your heart center. And try not to overthink it. The first flower is perfect. And quite simply, envision its texture, the texture of the petals. Envision the, the color. And quite simply, for the next couple of breaths, just breathe into this flower, into this blossoming at your own heart. Especially in a time like this, May we continue to seek beauty within and without. May we continue to observe and breathe into our own unfolding, our own blossoming, or even in hard times, growth can occur. Take an inhale through the nose. And out your mouth. And slowly opening your eyes. And hold on to that flower if you can as we talk together today. Continue to breathe into it. And so this morning, what we thought we would do and we'll probably do on Fridays is uh, answer any questions that you have. So um, we had quite a few great questions that were posted to us on the Facebook page. And so Steph's going to ask them and then we'll, we'll answer them. Yeah, cool. So thank you to everyone who posted in the Facebook group. Um, if you have questions as we're discussing, feel free to drop them in the comments here. And if we have time, we'll get to them today or and if not uh, next week. So one of the questions out of the Facebook group was around your creative process, Clara. So can you let us in on your creative process? For instance, when you're planning your classes for the week, do you sit down and write them all out? Do you get inspired as you move through your own sequence or do you just wing it when you walk in the room? It's a really good question. Mm. And I will say that I do a little bit of everything. So I generally have an idea of what it is that I want to teach that day, how I want to move. 
And then I also generally have a theme that I'm working with. And I usually pick that theme based on something that I'm inspired by or a conversation that I've had with somebody or some, or, or a passage that I've been reading in a book. So I sit down um, at the beginning of class and I kind of read the room because what I'm feeling, we may all be feeling, we may not. So I'm kind of looking around and kind of sussing out who is who came to class and then what's the vibe, what's the energy. And then we close our eyes. I always start my, uh, my classes the way that we've been starting this with closing the eyes, all of us, myself included, and allowing ourselves to center. And part of that centering for me is to check in with like, what is in this moment uh, true and what can I, how can I serve my community? So I kind of open myself up energetically and kind of feel the, the, the vibe in the room. And I also feel kind of what's in integrity for myself. And so with those two things, then I'm like, I feel like I get a yes or a no to where I wanted to go. Or sometimes I'll just, I get like a little saying that goes, actually move in this direction. So um, I'm, I stay very open to that. I'm very unattached to what I'm going to teach that day. And sometimes it takes me like far left where it's like, no, actually we're going this way. And this is what you should be talking about. So there's like a little voice, <laughs> a little voice in my head that kind of speaks to me. And I call, I call it the spirit. The spirit is telling me uh, what it is that uh, I should be doing that day. So um, I generally have like, uh, I've talked about this a lot in my sequencing uh, workshops, but I have about 50 skeletons of classes that I teach based on peak poses or based on themes. So I've already got a skeleton that I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with and then kind of based on what's either going on in the room or what I'm kind of excited about in my own body, I'll add to that skeleton of the sequence. And so it goes, it goes twofold. Now that being said, I've showed up to class some days and thought I was doing one thing and like literally went into a whole other direction. And so I just go with that. But the key is I am prepared. I always show up with something. I have an idea of what's going on. Um, but I'm also very open to going with the flow. And so that's the creative process. I guess, Clara, um, to add to that, what would you say, because you've been teaching for decades versus someone who's new to teaching, like what advice would you give to someone who is a newer teacher versus where you are? Because you have, a, like you said, you have 50 skeletons that you can kind of pick from. I don't think I could hold that many sequences entering the room, having given the, the time I've spent teaching. So what can you say to a new teacher versus where you are now? Great question. Mm -hmm. So uh, the biggest thing that I generally say to new teachers is show up with a plan. Yeah. And have it written down and have a very strong sense of where you're going to go. And then that being said, also have um, my friend Carolyn had had brought this up, which I really like. She'll have she'll kind of star pieces of the sequence or put a box around pieces of the sequence that she'd be willing to take out if mm -hmm. either running out of time or the level of studentship is not high enough then you would, you would be able to look down and be like, okay, I know those boxes, I would take those out. So that's something that I, I really love that tool that she um, shared with our teacher trainees. So I would recommend uh, doing that. So having that, and then that being said, along with the theme, I'd keep the theme very general. So then that way, no matter what the vibe is in the room, you can kind of speak to it. And so definitely at the beginning, it's like show up with a very strong, clear idea of what it is that you want to do, and then have little parts of the sequence that you would uh, be willing to take out depending upon again timing or level of studentship yeah. and so what do you do Steph um 
I'm big on writing things down. That's one of the ways that I put it in my body. Like I do my sequence, but the memory, the memorization of it comes through writing it out. So I usually write out a sequence and I'm kind of like you where I edit depending on what's shifting in the room mm -hmm. and theme around a specific thing for the, the week. And then the next week is something else. But for me, especially still being a new teacher, I'm, I'm pretty new to the scene. Writing things down is huge. And then that way too, um, you can see in your sequence, like where you're maybe overworking certain yeah. muscles. Like you, I, it's more of a, a map to be like, okay, have I given enough time to cool down? Am I giving a long enough Shavasana? Like, is it a balanced sequence for the class as opposed to just hammering a bunch of standing poses and then running out of time and dropping <laughs> yeah and then that way i also what i really like about writing it down is then you can keep it and you can archive it and then that way if you're like a geek like a lot of us are then you could actually have like a, a folder or a book and then you know have post-its that be okay. like back bends are in this section arm balances are in this one and then you can kind of refer back to them and then continue to refine them as you go along which uh your vinyasa, your 100-hour vinyasa training that I took with you a few summers ago. Anyone interested in learning more about sequencing, it's a great uh, program to take with Clara because we really go into wave theory, how to sequence a class, and then Clara actually gives an archive of the 10 days of how she sequences, which uh, really helped me develop my teaching at that time. So, exactly, yeah. That uh, kind of moves us into our next question. Clara, who are your most cherished teachers? Mm. Where do you get your influence from? Um, yeah. So uh, my most cherished teachers, <laughs> I, I had a broad range of them. So uh, I would say that my root teacher is Shiva Ray, who's based out of LA. And I've, uh, I, I met her in 2003 and pretty much tried to study with her at least two to three times a year for the first five years that I studied with her. And she created a style of uh, vinyasa yoga called prana flow, which is a very like watery dance-like um, mm. sequence. And so the, the wave theory as Steph brought up is, is based off of, of, off of prana flow. And so that's the kind of sequencing that I teach. I find it very intelligent and very, uh, very creative. There's a lot of space to kind of play within a uh, certain diameter. And what I love about Shiva specifically is that she's a bit of a rogue. Uh, most of my teachers are in the fact that she she mixes all kinds of things. So she studies a martial art called Kalari Payette. So she brings that in. She has a PhD in world dance. So there's like a bit of African uh, energy that can come in. And I feel like she really, her whole thing is embodying movement as a sacred uh, offering to the divine. And I, I just like, ooh, I just resonate with that so much. And the music, her music is always like spot on, which I feel like as somebody who, who really uh, loves to dance. It's like so helpful when you have the right music. So those would be the two biggest reasons that I love Shiva. And then my other uh, biggest influence would be a woman named Stacy Brass. She owns a yoga studio in New York called Yoga Maya. And she is kind of the polar opposite of Shiva. She's an Iyengar based vinyasa teacher. So hers is a lot more structured 
but her or not but and her sequencing is intelligent like it makes sense you know exactly where you're going she's opened the body parts in a very specific way mm -hmm. and if you we have not met in person or practiced together in person sequencing is like my deepest passion i love to um explore different ways to open up the body and she is like the science behind Stacy is amazing. And then that being said, she also is the woman who used to play a lot of R&B in class. And again, music is a super important part of my life, as well as my practice. And so she gave me, I feel like so much permission to play music that was like outside of what yeah. we like, quote unquote, the norm. And then the other person that I find also in the same breath would be Dana Flynn, who owns Laughing Lotus in New York. I'm from New York, so I used to practice a lot, uh, obviously, there. And what I love about Dana is her freedom. Her sequencing is kind of all over the place, and it's but it's super playful, and it's wild, and you have no idea where you're going to go. And the thing that I love about Dana is her zest for life. Mm. Like, when she shows up in the room, she used to be an MTV VJ, and she has this, like, strong strong energy that comes in and I used to go to Sunday Revival it was a class on Sundays and she'd play only gospel music or she would play um, yeah just deep southern R&B or, or uh, blues and so you felt like you were in a Baptist church and she would just give you oh I just love like I'm getting chills just thinking about <laughs> the energy I would have in that space and for her right we were in church and so, and it's funny because she actually just opened a studio in uh, New Orleans that she's calling Lola Church. So she's Cute. like, she's moving Gold. in that direction. So those would be, those would be my, my biggest influences, the people that I cherish the most. There's a lot of teachers that I've studied with, but those would be the ones that I'm like, what feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah. oh, amazing. And what would you say to, uh, Again, I'm going to keep linking it back to new teachers or, teach or teachers who are trying to build um, community and going to teachers that inspire you versus going to people who you're less drawn to. Like, how do you negotiate going to classes that you've never been before versus being uh, loyal to the teachers that you that you love? Like, what is great your, question? Yeah, what is your approach? My approach is go to everybody because there's mm -hmm. something you can learn from everyone. So that's an important one to remember. Uh, and even even if you're not a teacher, I feel like as a practitioner, definitely because we do get attached to the people that we love. And, you know, like I've definitely been to the class or been the substitute teacher for a person that, you know, people come in and the teacher that they wanted is not there. And then they turn around and walk out. And that's also fine. But, you know, be open. I think I try to go to I, I really try to the best of my ability to go to new teachers that I haven't met before. Um, at least twi twice a month, just to get a sense, see what people are up to. Yep. And again, it, allow it allows us also to support each other in our totally. community. And that's something that I really learned moving to Vancouver, because in New York, I only went to my teachers. Like I didn't, like I didn't go to other people, I only went to them. And then when I moved to Vancouver, I was like, who am I going to study with? Like, what's happening here? And then I re and then I started practicing with my peers and with the people around me. And I was like, oh, there is so much amazingness everywhere if I'd given it a chance. So I'm I feel very blessed that I was able to do that, like move here and learn that because I may have just stuck with those teachers for <laughs> the 20 Ever. years I've been practicing. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it also, uh, it inspires other teachers when, like, I love when teachers come to my class. It's kind of nerve wracking because you're like, For oh, sure. it's here, are they judging me? But it's great because it builds community. And then if you ask for feedback, it's good to see what other people feel when they're in your class. Maybe you learn something and maybe you just, you know, dust it off and keep, keep going. That's something that I like that you really brought up is ask for feedback. If you have, yeah. if you have teachers who come to your class, ask for feedback, a great way for us to keep each other honest and for us to grow as a community is to be like, what do you think? Yeah. What would you have done differently? You know? So I highly recommend that. I'm so glad. It's one of my favorite things about you, Steph, is when I come, you're like, Give it how to did me. it go? What did you think? Yeah. And then we have a good chat about it. Because it's not personal. It's so subjective. Like someone yes. might go to, you know, the R&D class and be like, I hate this music. I've had students, <laughs> like, why are you playing this? This is not a yoga song. And I'm like, yeah. oh, sorry, don't, yeah. I guess don't come. It's not for you. That's cool. Cool. Um. Okay, so next question. We're good. Uh, How do you film then voice over your yoga videos, Clara? Do you record the yoga practice first and then do the voiceover for your classes? Or do you record the voice first and then film yourself based on your own instructions? So more tapping into your your online platform. So I would say that for, I'd say that, pretty much every single video I've ever done, I generally do my own practice and then uh, do the voiceover afterwards. So I watch myself and I essentially say what it is that I see on the screen. And then that being said, I've been working with a a great, um, uh, a great community called Sanctuary Studios in Seattle, where they're doing, uh, they're doing classes in a, in a, in a room, but recorded beforehand. And for them, what they wanted me to do with them is do the VO first and then do essentially my own class to my voice. And that was the first time. So I did that, I think, in February with them. And I'd never done that before. Mm. Uh, and it it proved to be interesting. Some of it I liked the vinyasa classes. I didn't love doing it that way because I will say that I always have a sense of what I'm going to do. But when I start shooting, I allow myself to be in the moment and have the create creativity and the space to be creative to do it. So when I was had to listen to my own VO, you know, I was following a very regimented um, sequence, which is totally fine. It's just not my favorite because a lot of it is sometimes I'll be in down dog or something. And I'm like, Oh, I feel like doing this now, you know, and, and I do it. <laughs> so that being said, it can be actually harder in the VO because sometimes I don't even know where I'm going. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I start talking the VO and I'm like, Oh, Clara on the screen is doing something very different. So it proves to be a little bit more of a challenge. So if you are looking to um, create online classes, then you may want to do the VO first because it's definitely a lot easier to follow yourself versus figure out where you're going. So do the VO, do the voice, and then play the voice and do your own class is basically what you're saying. Uh, That's what I would recommend at the beginning. Got you. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do it that way. Um, I can kind of think on the fly so I've been able to and I've been doing it long enough that it it doesn't it's easy for me Um, but generally what 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 specifically Sanctuary found because they've shot a couple of us that it was easier for the VO to be done first and then for us to follow it got you and I have a question kind of going kind of alongside this so your latest class is with students of the Leela community the crown chakra flow where I recognize some of the yogis in the the video 
and the classes with Alejandro that are on your site. So are you sitting there live guiding while they're doing the practice or is that done in two different pieces as well? Or are you, you know, recording VO and video all at, all at once? How does that look? We're doing, I'm doing the, I'm teaching them right then and there. So we have them. Yeah. So uh, because I'm super pregnant, I can't do a lot of the things that I'd love to be offering on the online site. So we've, we've gotten creative and, you know, yeah, my husband Alejandro has been my model so willingly and, and beautifully for uh, quite a few of the videos. And then when we came back into town, we recorded with some of, uh, some of our amazing community here. And so literally what we're doing is we have them on video and I'm sitting beside them with a microphone and I'm teaching them. Cool. And so in that way, you'll probably get the sense and I've gotten some feedback that it's, it's been a nice uh, change for uh, me doing VO with my own body versus mm-hmm. teaching it to people because my, my energy is different because I'm feeding mm-hmm. off of the students as we're, we're going through it. So I'm excited to see what um, we're, yeah, we're launching that. We launched it today, the crown chakra <laughs> one, and it's the first one that we'll be launching with a community, with our community of people. And we've got quite a few videos that are coming out with them. So I'll be curious to see what people think. Yeah. I, it's really interesting with the, uh, modifications that are expressed like as a a viewer uh what's cool is with more than one person you're getting all the different levels and adjustments that the yogis are doing for themselves so just some background for people the class today it's an intermediate class but you can modify and also based on what's happening in front of you so there's three students doing kind of like three different variations yeah all their own variations which is great to be visual to to see the visual variations and modifications that are um aligned with the the flow you're teaching exactly exactly so okay let's go we have one more question um good question what would you advise to yoga teachers who have recently qualified in order to find a place to start practicing and to do in the meantime to improve their own practice in teaching and so the question being, where should they practice teaching? Yeah. So for a new uh, teacher who's gone through the uh, 200-hour program, what is your advice to develop their own practice and get into teaching yoga? Like, what are some of the spaces? What are some of the places um, to go to? Mm -hmm. So uh, what I generally recommend to people who are new to teaching is to teach their friends, to teach at community centers, to offer yoga for free in the park or wherever, just to essentially, like the biggest thing you need to do as a new teacher is to just get used to saying all the cues, because that is usually where people kind of start to, because you essentially learned a new language. So now you're going into what we like to call conversational yoga teaching. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be working, literally just saying it over and over again, repetition in order to find your rhythm of like, how do I cue into triangle pose? And how do I cue the transitions? And so one of the things, yeah, I recommend is like teach your friends, teach people in your living room, teach the community centers, like offer it as a free, as a place for for free so that you're essentially building up your hours or working on your conversation. And then in terms of practice, uh, your own practice, it's really good to either um, go to teachers that are more senior than you are. So somebody who's been doing it for longer and, and really observing like, being in the practice, but opening up that ear of yours to listen to what kind of cues are they using? Is it working? 
um, you know, how are they building towards the peak pose? And then ideally, if you can, um, like I would do it with Stacy, my teacher quite a bit is after class, I would ask her, I would sit her, I would say like, do you have five minutes? And she would say yes awesome. or no. And then I would ask her a couple questions. Like I saw that you moved from here to here. Like, can you explain the transition or, and she was so gracious enough to um, share her wisdom with me. And so that way I was able to kind of learn the why of, of what it was that she was teaching. And so I highly recommend that. And then again, take a lot of different classes because you'll learn different ways of moving into things, which to me, a very good teacher is somebody who's able to kind of shape shift or uh, change the way that they're either speaking about it or the class itself or moving through the class based on what's happening in front of us, right? Because we don't know what we're like, we have an idea of what we're teaching, but you show up and you have to teach to the students who arrive. And so having the ability to be able to kind of, kind of shape shift around that really helps when I find if you take other people's classes. And uh, advice you gave me in the beginning, which helped me huge that I still one part of it, I still do currently. Uh, one of the pieces of advice was to wait two years before approaching the bigger yoga studios. So you get uh, confident in your voice and that uh, you have an authentic voice for when you teach. So my first two years, I taught friends, I taught in parks, I taught at rec centers and did privates through corporate companies, um, which benefited me because then when I went into the bigger studios, I was confident in what I was teaching. I felt good. I was speaking through my own voice and not just saying things because I'd heard teachers saying them. Uh, and the other piece of advice was to go to classes and observe and take notes or record to get permission from the teacher, of course. And then like Claire is saying, you really begin to uh, witness the dialogue between the teacher and the class because that's what you want to create is a, a dialogue you're kind of passing a ball back and forth you're not just dictating what they're doing yes. and when you go and you don't practice you sit and observe and take notes or record or whatever have you you can see that process unfolding and it aids in your own uh, development to see like, oh, how is the teacher moving through the room? How are they touching? How are they? What is the tone? Where are they standing? Um, yeah, so those are two pieces of your advice years ago that helped me. So I hope other yogis who are listening can uh, perhaps put that into play. And then just to add to that one last thing on that is to really honor your own process yeah. as a teacher, because for some of us, we might feel more ready to teach or to approach larger studios. Uh, and for some of us, we might need more time. We might need, need two years. We might need five years. You know, it really, uh, it really depends. It's very individual. So mm -hmm. to really, to the best of your ability, not compare yourself to yeah. your peers, especially those who came in through the same program as you, uh, and to allow yourself to unfold as a teacher in a way that is... Uh, very authentic to who you are. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that like we, we all learn and move and evolve in different ways. And so to honor that in a loving way versus comparing ourselves to our peers. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for all the questions. Those were great. And Clara for your answers. If we didn't get to your question today, we will come back to it next week. So Fridays will always be ask Clara anything. 
Wednesdays, we'll talk more about the business of yoga and how to run your business, even if you aren't a yoga instructor. So those are our two big question days for the community. If you have any comments or feedback, Facebook is where we're directing all of the uh, conversations. And our Facebook group is Practice with Clara Community. And if you're not sure how to find that, there's a link in my bio here on IG, or you can go to my Facebook page, Clara Roberts Oss Yoga, and you'll be able to see um, the group in either of those two places. And please join the conversation. It's been great. We've been having lots of amazing people kind of uh, asking questions and you can leave it in the comments or you can just direct message me uh, on the Facebook group and we'll, we'll, we'll get to it for sure. And so uh, what I'd like to do is I'd love to end today with just a couple of questions, a little bit of homework, let's say, for this weekend. Um, And if you can, share your findings with us on the Facebook group, again, to create community. Our biggest vision around this, this Facebook group was just because we're all in these rooms by ourselves, it's a nice way for us to <laughs> for us to come together and to continue having the dialogue, even though we're not in the same room, we're sharing physical space together. So we'd love you to, to be a part of the conversation. Steph and I are very active on there. And so the questions kind of coming back to uh, the theme of beauty. So the homework for your, your weekend is on the first day, we talked about something called the beauty report which is uh, something I learned from Anna Forrest. And the idea of the beauty report is to share three things that inspired you. And they can be physical things that you saw, like nature. A lot of people, we asked people to actually post and we got some beautiful photographs of nature walks that people were on. So it could be nature. It could be a passage from a book. It could be a poem that you've written yourself. It could be a meal that you've cooked for your family or for yourself. But we'd love you to share your beauty report with us. And I'll write it on on Sunday and say, you know, what is your beauty report for the, uh, for the week and, or the weekend? And you can either share photos on there or, or just simply write it out. And let's be inspired by each other because that's one of the biggest things about beauty that we're into is may this inspire us, especially in a time that is very challenging and that can uh, keep us in a little bit more of a negative or heavier space, we can also find lightness. So I'd love a beauty report, which are three things that you, uh, that inspired you this weekend. And then my last question to you is, if you were going to create something, what would it be? And either you'll create it this weekend or you'll quite simply ruminate on it and just share I would create a book or I would create a meal for everybody or I would, what would you create? And if you have the time and the space, work on creating it this weekend. Mm -hmm. And if not, quite simply just think about it and then share it with us. And we'll do the same. Steph and I will share our beauty reports and we'll share uh, either something that we've created this weekend or something that we've been thinking about. So bring your hands into prayer and I'm just going to show you, let's do Padma Mudra. So keeping the pinky fingers and the thumbs together, open up the rest of your hands, Padma being lotus, which is uh, Lakshmi's flower, and then bring it down to your heart. And then close your eyes and just for a breath, come back to that flower that if you were with us at the beginning, come back to that flower that you envisioned at your heart. And if you weren't with us, great. 
think of a flower at your heart and maybe it is a lotus or a different kind of flower. May we continue to blossom. May we continue to, to seek and create inspiration, not only for ourselves, but for our communities. And through inspiration, may we cultivate faith and hope. And slowly bring your fingers all to touch hands in prayer. And open your eyes. Have a beautiful weekend, my friends, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for all the love down below. Yes. I've gotten some great questions and some sweet hearts kind of floating up the sides. And we appreciate you being part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. See you next week. See you. Bye.